the city and South Cambridgeshire on FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio. Uh, welcome to another edition of From the Terraces. Uh, joined today, Salim Akambi's in the studio. I mean, Amika's supposed to be coming in, but he's not, he's not here yet. Hopefully he'll be here shortly, and we'll be joined by Matt as well on the phone. Uh, lots of football... Well, lots of football is perhaps an exaggeration. Lots of games to talk about, and the Cambridge United one as well. Uh, a, a very, very poor performance. It's interesting. Two, two, two games against uh, Cheltenham this year, probably the two worst games we've actually played. One under Mark Bonner, one under Neil Harris. So at least that's even. A defeat that really, really should never have happened. Uh, Histon uh, managed to uh, get a, uh, a, a... I was going to say a draw, but I think they won, didn't they? Did Histon? No, you know, I was so so busy looking at what, uh, what 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 happened elsewhere that I forgot to check that one. Uh, we are talking to Chris Nunn, though, so he'll tell us exactly what happened. Um, and we are talking to Robbie. We've managed to finally get in touch with Robbie. So we've got quite a long interview with him, actually, uh, coming up later on, talking about the games and also about the stadium as well. And uh, in the women's football, um, uh, we've got uh, plenty to talk about. We've got Darren, Darren on the phone uh, talking to us about uh, the uh, defeat at Wimbledon. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll try and get hold of uh, someone from Cambridge City, but I think that's going to be fairly unlikely since it's a two o'clock kick-off there. Um, uh, so we'll see what we can do. And you can talk to us all the usual ways. You can text us on 07919070490. That's 07919070490. Or you can email studio at cambridge105.uk if you've got anything to say about the football over the weekend. But we'll start, as we usually do, with Cambridge United. I think the uh, Bolton game for eight minutes that was called off was a better game than Saturday's game. <laughs> it was certainly less painful for less time, I think, anyway. Um, yeah, we would have had lots to talk about this week um, uh, because of the uh, Bolton game, but obviously uh, that, uh, well, I can't say it didn't happen because it did happen, but only very briefly. Were you, were, you, uh, were you at that game or were you? did you miss that one? Yeah, I came to that. I saw oh, you. you did. We saw you. <laughs> that's right, you saw me after. That's, that's how, how, how badly it ended, but... It, it was really weird. I mean, fifteen for those who weren't there, there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, talk on uh, social media about what well, should it have happened? Should it have happened? And the thing was, fifteen twenty minutes before the game, yeah, it was wet, but it was playable, and yeah. you could see when people were warming up, it was skidding off the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have been a bit slippy. It might not have taken the studs so well. There was that concerning bit in the middle, which I still not got to the bottom of. That uh, the the, the, yeah, they seem to, to be digging to the other side of the world. I think is uh, I don't know whether it was just an escape plan from some people but but it it was it was really weird they were just digging this hole and i was thinking that's really not that's really not good because it's going to be soft whatever you do with it and the referee might just take one look at that and decide no he's not having it but he came across and he checked it and he was happy happy to start and i think as neil said in the post-match we were happy to start as well because the conditions probably suited us better Mm. um because you know but with 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 it being very wet um 
And then it, I mean, it was by that, by the time it started, it was, to be fair, absolutely chucking it down. Uh, and it took about probably three or four minutes into the game. This is how fast it happened. Probably three or four minutes into the game, you started to see quite a lot of surface water coming up through the pitch. Uh, and we kind of we were, t- we were chatting in the stands, saying, "I, I don't, I don't think this is going to go ahead. Um, it's too heavy, the rain, and it's coming up too quickly. By the time we get to fifteen, twenty minutes, it's, the whole pitch is going to be waterlogged." And then I think in the space of probably three or four minutes, well, there was probably wasn't even that. It was probably only a minute, minute and a half. We had uh, somebody fell out, somebody slipped over because it was so wet. Two mm. twice. The ball was passed, and uh, I think it, I think it, I can't, it was still a Kaikai. I think he thought it had gone past him. It was Lyle Taylor. That's it. It was, pitch, it was Lyle yeah. Taylor. Yeah, and he, he was shocked that he absolutely held, held up, up and allowed him to pick the ball up. And then uh, then there was a bounce that never happened. It, it went into the air and came down, and he just sat there in the water. And the referee kind of looked at it, and uh, they were they consulted uh, uh, with the managers, and uh, they decided to come off. And we said then, looking at the rain, there's there's literally no chance of coming back on there's a protocol to follow when it happens so they I think 10 minutes after you have to come and have another look at it to make sure that uh, it's definitely on or off um, but there was absolutely no chance Ian Darla and the uh, a couple of volunteers uh, well not the, a couple of the ground staff came and uh, bravely tried to push water off the pitch with uh, what looked like well, I, you wouldn't even call them pitch squeegees. They're more like window ones on a long, on a long thing. They were so small. I don't know what they thought they were. Whether they thought they were actually going to beat the rain with those, but uh, it was never to be. And so the game was cancelled. And I think, although obviously it didn't go down very well, it, yeah, it didn't go down very well. It was one of those things that it, really the referee had absolutely no choice in that, did they? Yeah, no. It was a very, um, it was a tough decision to make and an easy easy decision to make because like, as you said the rain came very quickly um, in a short space of time I think there was a stat saying that I think in 20 minutes we had half of the total rainfall for January uh, yeah, yeah I, th- I think yeah I, I heard sort of similar it was, I think it was February but oh, yeah. I don't know but well yeah, yeah the, I mean rain. you only had to look at it to see that, that it, it yeah. was it was raining very very heavily yeah there was a, yeah, there was a lot of rain and um, you know I thought like like Neil alluded to, I thought it would have suited us well, especially with um, Bolton who tried to play out. And I thought, yeah. oh, you know, watching the first five minutes and they've got caught on the ball twice at the back. I was thinking, you know, this is the rain's gonna is gonna hinder them here. We're gonna get something. Um, but as you get to around the eighth minute, ninth minute, and I think the right back bounces the ball into the centre back, gets it back, and the ball holds up, and he just wants to hook it down the line, yeah. and he collapses on his knee <laughs> because the ball's held up. You just think, yeah, I mean, yeah. at that yeah. point, it's it's not. It's not safe enough to play, even though it would yeah, have probably helped us. That, that, that's the thing, isn't it? Is, is that ultimately safety? Safety is the thing. It's not about whether the, it's a spectacle or not. It's just the safety. And I think yeah. it was interesting when the referee came out after about ten minutes to have a look, and, and he brought his ball out. And he made a big thing of kind of bouncing it and watching the fact that it didn't it didn't move Bounce, at yeah. all. And he, he kind of shrugged his shoulders. And you could see him sighing. And and but he, he you know he had no choice. He had, he had to come off. So we go again. I think it's on the twentieth of 20th. Feb. So. Uh, uh, not too long, uh, uh, you know. Uh, apologies to well, it's not it's not to apologise for, but I feel sorry for the uh, Bolton fans who came yeah, up. They were that. top class, to be fair. I will say that they were, they were they, top. They, they, I mean, they were cheer, they were cheering on the ground <laughs> staff as they swept, as they made their futile effort at sweeping the water. Yeah, off, but, they found uh, amusement in that, and um, yeah, they really they, they didn't stop singing even though there wasn't a game to really watch. Yeah. I mean, it was it was really good to see. Yeah, it, it is, and and it's that you know I've been to, I've done 
twice to Fleetwood, I've done Berry, I've done Salford, I've done long travels where games have been called off and it, it, it's not nice. Um, but it's generally, you know, occasionally you get strange things like if Exeter had been called off after I travelled down last time, I'd have been annoyed about it because they'd had the inspection, inspection the previous day. Yeah. Um, uh, and Fleetwood, I think one of the Fleetwood ones, all the fans were saying, I don't know why they've told you it's on because there's no way it's going to get gonna played. Be, yeah. So you do get those where you think, you know, is the drive to get a game played at all costs a good mm. idea, especially when you've got, you should look at the fixture and the latest decision should be made based on how far people are travelling. You know, okay, if you can't make it perhaps at eight o'clock in the morning when people might leave, but you could make it at nine or ten. Mm. So they're only they're only getting a little bit of the way there um, rather than all the yeah. way there. So I think we, we've talked about that in the past, but that's the way it goes. So it was on this weekend to uh, Cheltenham. And looking at the league table, it was one of those games where we really, really wanted to pick up points. Um, You've got to beat those around you. You can't rely on getting points uh, without it being uh, something that, you you know, so without, without... looking at those top clubs where we might get a surprise result um, you've got to look at those games around you and think those are the ones where you've got to pick up the points uh, I'm going to see if I can get Matt on the phone as well for this Matt's, Matt's promised not to swear despite the uh, <laughs> level of performance so we'll have to see whether that, that actually happens or not but I mean hey, hey Matt how are you doing? Hi, Tim. How you doing? I'm doing okay, right. So I'll just remind you that we're live on air. You're not allowed to swear, even though I'm <laughs> sure you feel like it. I, I mean, what can you say about that performance yesterday? Oh, it was it was embarrassing. Um, embarrassing. Uh, disastrous. And um, I, I've never seen a game where we've had four or five clear-cut opportunities to, to win it and be absolutely terrible. And, um, you know, when, when the winning goal comes, it, it, you know, it's caused by ourselves. It's not caused by Cheltenham, who, you know, to their credit, were, were quite good. You know, were in our faces and, you know, played some good football at times. But, you know, the only chance that they had was by our own making. And um, it's, it's not good enough. It really wasn't good enough. And uh, I hope it's a wake-up call after, you know, being four games unbeaten and, you know, the... the, the players and you know the manager getting credit for you know making us look at you know a little bit tougher and picking up some decent results um to go and put a performance in like that is is just not good enough and i think you know as i say the players get criticized and quite rightly as they should do but you know i think that the manager set us up wrong yesterday as well and you know i, I think even though he was right in the substitutions he made the the messing about with the substitutions as well didn't help matters at all so yeah just a really really bad day at the office for absolutely everyone and uh yeah my god they've got they've got to bounce back very very quickly because if they don't it, it, we could be in trouble you know you know and looking towards the bottom of the table well we'll come on to that in a minute because i've got i've got the the predict, predicted uh, final table for the year football web pages do it based on home and away form and the games that that are left and we are relegated according to that but we'll come back to that in a minute i guess uh, the, the frustration from yesterday so, so was that it, as as matt pointed out we missed the chances and we gifted them a chance and they took it 
And, you know, you, you can't win football games like that. We've got to learn that those chances... I mean, you know, and I think... I'm sure, you know, he doesn't need saying... Lyle Taylor doesn't need to say that he should have got that one in, especially the first one where he's one-on-one and you'd put money on him going to put that ball in the net and he doesn't. Instead, he hits it straight at the keeper. And a couple of others, um, uh, Macaulay Bonner, missed, missed obviously, missed two chances later, later on and you think, and, you know... that you can't do things like that and expect to to succeed as a football team because, you know, if you're then going to give goals away, um, you know, it's just just not good enough, is it? I think it's a a difficult one. Well, it isn't a difficult one because I agree agree with what you said. But, um, you know, at the same time, even if that game had finished 0-0 yesterday, I think we'd still leave quite disappointed because we've obviously had the chances um, to win the game. Um, I thought... The first chance that we had with obviously with Lyle, um, those ones are really they're quite difficult. Obviously, it's a one-on-one, so it seems like a simple. But the, the keeper has made a good save at the same time. Um, you know, agree with me if you will, disagree with me if you. No, will. no, I, I think he did, but but I. But yeah, my view would he shouldn't have been able to make a, a good make, save yeah, had it been done course, properly. But course. that's yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, like we said, we've got even after that. Even if you take that one away, we've got three other really really good chances to um, to score. Um, and we've not taken those chances. So um, I think, I don't know, to lose the game is really, really disappointing. To win the game, uh, sorry, to draw the game is just disappointing. But losing the game is obviously worse because the game as it was, was I didn't find it particularly interesting. It seemed like it was no. a, lot of, a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of nothingness, you know. I don't think Cheltenham had much to offer apart from dropping on second balls, which they were brilliant at, you yeah. know cleaning up things and making it really difficult for you putting it down the channel running it, running after it um, bumping you as well like <clears throat> I don't think I can count on one hand how many times Michael Morrison got fouled yesterday yeah. um, so they, they don't make it a nice game for you they don't make it easy for you and it's not that nice or that interesting but, to watch but but that's it sometimes I mean you look at you look at the Shrewsbury game last week and, and we played hard and we got to balls and we moved the ball around and that was the difference between you know us and them last week a, a team that weren't we were on good home form we were on poor away form uh, and we made the most of it and and this week yeah okay you're going to miss chances um, probably shouldn't be missing four but but that but that's the way it goes but I think for me the application at times was wrong we weren't playing the right balls we weren't I mean we'll hear in a minute Neil Harris said you know we weren't brave enough with the ball we chose the pass backwards or the hoofing up the pitch rather than actually taking the ball up the pitch or trying to find that longer pass uh, across the ground and I think that that was where we kind of if if there's disappointment it's more about that than it is about you know somebody missing goals yeah they they, they will miss goals that's why we were just chatting beforehand that you know the difference between the Premier League and League One is that you'd expect Premier League strikers to score at least two if not three of those four chances uh, and on a good day you'll see Cambridge United strikers scoring three or four of those chances but on a bad day they, as, as was yesterday none of them go in and I think that's the difficulty it's it's looking and it's being disappointed about the level of application and I think Neil's got a fair bit of work to do there for uh, next week. Matt, you mentioned that that you thought that Neil had set up wrong. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I just think uh, at home against a team like Cheltenham, like Salim says, you know, didn't really offer nothing apart from, you know, a bit of a press you know, in the middle of the park. I just think, you know, having two defensive midfielders with, with Jordan and Paul Digby wasn't the way to go at it. Um, you know, it's okay bringing Jack Lancaster in. I, you know, I don't disagree with that. I think 
the first half, our brightest spots were when he was on the ball and he was getting involved. And, you know, he's another one that should have scored and should have got a penalty in the second half as well. But I think, you know, George Thomas should have played with just either Jordan or Paul Digby in the middle of the park. Because, as you say, you know, we, we needed to be better on the ball. We needed to be braver. And, you know, no disrespect to, to Jordan and, and Paul Digby, but they're both, you know, deep-sitting midfielders. And when you've got your defence sitting so deep, as we did yesterday, you know, with, with uh, Ryan Bennett and Michael Morrison, you know, not blessed with pace, and you can understand us sitting a bit deeper. Um, you know, we didn't have people to break the lines. We didn't have people pushing forward to support the attack from the middle of the park. And we got overrun very, very quickly. You know, the, the Cheltenham midfielders had a lot of time on the ball to, to play the game that they wanted to. And as Neil says, you know, you need somebody in there to be brave on the ball. And, you know, Paul, Paul Digby and uh, Jordan Cousins are the safe players, you know, just keep the ball moving, but we just keep going backwards. As, as Salim says, you know, you, you play it backwards all the time and it's, and it's far too easy to play against. And, uh, you know, if you're going to play like that against Cheltenham at home, then, you know, you are causing your own problems. And I think that was half the issue yesterday. Yeah, absolutely, and I think and, and I think that was that was the same problem as we had uh, at their place is that we just we just didn't seem to want to go forward. Let's let's listen to what Neil had to say uh, following the game. Well, Neil, a hugely disappointing afternoon, both in terms of result and performance. How frustrated are you? Yeah, it's a horrible one, really. Firstly, it's a poor result. It's a poor result and a poor performance. But you, you look at the fact and look at we've had four one on ones. And we've missed two absolute sitters in the six-yard box. And Cheltenham, other than caused a bit of pressure by putting direct play into the box and the second ball was the pressure of it, Jack's not hardly made a save. So, it, really random one that, that we've had the best chances but come off with a poor result. I'm not happy about it. I'm not condoning it whatsoever. That performance wasn't good enough by us playing here at, at the Abbey. But it's one game. You know, the lads have been brilliant since we walked in the building. We had a poor half against uh, Lake Norrent that cost us a result. Poor second half, Oxford, as in, didn't have game changes to, to get through for point. But today, that, that's a disappointing one. That's putting my, that's my biggest frustration since I've been here. That's the biggest kick in the proverbial since I've been here. Um, we need to be better than that, that's, that's for sure. But we did have unbelievable chances to uh, win the game. And, and I always knew the first goal was going to be important. If you don't take the chances when they come, it can come back and bite on the bum. Yeah, it was a, a big chance for Lyle Taylor, the one-on-one -on -one in the first half, and he looked very, very frustrated. He knows that he can do better than that, and they should have been 1-0. And, and it felt like an uncomfortable first half at times, Neil, in terms of the balls that were given away in midfield at times. Yeah, it was scrappy, wasn't it? I think the Cheltenham make it difficult for you. They, they press high and they get the ball forward quickly and they make it about second balls. We were very good in one moment and then turn the ball over cheaply in the next. And one reason is we were really inconsistent. And that's not been like us to be that inconsistent and it's hard to build a platform and the shape of it um, so we have to be much better with the football and that culminates in the goal really it's a, you know, it's a poor giveaway in the middle of the pitch and the ball ends up in the back of the net so we shot ourselves in the foot for sure is what I'm really saying but again the chance we created were clear for everyone to see and, and we should have been ruthless enough to, um, you know, to win that game yeah, the second half, you know, a little bit more possession. There was a one-on-one -on -one for Jack, as you've mentioned. A, a big penalty shout in there as well, Neil? Yes, Jack goes around the goalkeeper and, and, you know, we can talk about this, that and that, but as a score. You know, ultimately, what I will say to my players, I'm saying this, you just have to score. So there's no grey areas to it, just put the ball in the net. So uh, we had Jack's one-on-one -on -one in the second half. Uh, it's a clear penalty, as clear as you're ever going to see, penalty in a red card. And then McCauley Bond's two, two guilt-edged chances in the six-yard box. So, again... Without controlling the game and, and looking like a free-flow inside, we've made four absolute must-goals. 
in the second half and you don't take them and Cheltenham get one one opportunity to score. Yeah, I was going to say Macaulay Bond off the bench I mean the quality he's got you know that's why he brought him to the club and he'll be kicking himself in the dressing room no doubt in terms of those two big chances Yes yeah well Jordan walked straight in and apologised to the group for giving the ball away leading to a goal and class class professional and player but my bemoan is that, that we've, we've, we've created six absolute sitters and not scored In terms of the formation change and, and the personnel change obviously four big changes and, and went to the three at the back what was the thinking behind all that Neil? Uh, we were really poor weren't we? Ultimately, we didn't build play. We were poor around the second balls. I thought it might give us a bit more of a foothold, give us a chance to uh, um, have an extra player behind the ball to be able to build. And, and, and ultimately, it gave us four players at the top end of the pitch. And when, when you do that, you know, the idea of doing it is you build the play quickly and then you play forward quickly. And the lads were too slow, um, weren't brave enough with the ball. And I'd say that was all game, we weren't brave enough with the ball. But certainly we made the change, still weren't brave enough with the ball. Sometimes bravery is about taking the ball in a tight area and, and taking somebody 1v1. And sometimes bravery is making space, taking a touch and putting the ball forward quickly. The players have to make better decisions. Before today, we knew there was a big challenge ahead in terms of seven games in 21 days, I think. How much is, uh, focus is there now on reacting on Tuesday? And obviously, it's a, a huge challenge away at the league leaders. Well, that's it. Yeah, today, today's a, you know, a real disappointment for us. We've not had many of them in the last couple of months. So, you know, we have to get over this. I have to see a reaction from the group. I have to see what the group's made of, individually and collectively, and see how they respond on Tuesday. Um, that falls on me by the way, as the leader of the group, to make sure I get a response on Tuesday, and that, whether that's in team selection or performance. But we have, we've got, we've got a, a tough challenge Tuesday, but what a fantastic opportunity as well. Uh, no expectation to go to Portsmouth. A real disappointing performance today and result, um, and we certainly have to bounce back. From the Terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio. Yeah, certainly do have to bounce back if we play like that. Okay. Now on Tuesday, that will be that will be some some embarrassment that could come could come our way. We were just talking about we took, we, took, we mentioned travel on our WhatsApp group before we started, and uh, you said I was I was asking because away performance is always something that gets me. Is that why why do, why do people have often a poorer away performance than home performance and I get when you're playing with 60,000 people in the stadium of which 45,000 of them are screaming hatred towards you then that might upset you but I've always thought that the biggest thing, the biggest difference between home and away is the travel, and especially when you've got, you know, you've got, we've got to the, the Tuesday game and then we've got Carlisle on the Saturday. That's a lot of travel. It's probably overnight stops for at least for, for at least one of them, um, which then disrupts training and family life and everything. And that's always struck me as the biggest thing. But you pointed out Sunderland uh, and Plymouth uh, this was it this weekend. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, 3-1 three, Sunderland beat Plymouth despite having travelled from one end of the earth. To no, so Plymouth travelled. No, oh, Plymouth yeah. travelled over. So, the other way around, so, so yeah, yes. that's the reason, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and it is interesting because because that's the kind of thing that you can see upsets the rhythm. Is first of all, sitting on nobody likes sitting on a coach for yeah. uh, so many hours, they but... probably have gone up um, on Friday, yeah, but still, like you know, when you go up on Friday, then do you still train on the Friday? Do you not train the hotel that you go to? Does it have all the facilities? I mean, I'm sure it will, but you're out of your you know your usual surroundings, and I guess um, I guess for Premier League play, for 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 for, to, for top end clubs, Premier League and Championship, then the, you can probably be a bit more choosy about hotels. Yeah, and you probably think, pay a bit more, but League One and League Two might I not think, be able to do that. Um, you know, with the uh, this is a bit of a tangent, but the Abramovich saga, you know, of Chelsea ownership and whatnot, and the embargoes put on them. I think they said something like forty thousand it costs for away travel for the squad. So that's hotel. Like catering, that's a lot of money. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. hotel <laughs> catering, 
obviously security, travel, making sure that they've got everything that they would if they were playing um, yeah. at the bridge. Um, so, you know, replicating that, obviously lower down the levels um, is really tough um, because the lads will have certain routines that they go through if they know it's okay, a game at the stadium. We, I was talking to Darren Marge from Cambridge United Women and he was saying, I think it was Actonians had to crowdfund their travel to Exeter for the uh, one of the plate games that they played just recently because they couldn't possibly afford just the travel, let alone yeah. any stopping overnight yeah, yeah, or exactly. anything like that. Yeah. So yeah, it, is, it is really difficult and it will, it will have a, a toll um, on the players and the way that you reduce that is obviously by getting your wallet out a little bit and making sure that they've got everything that they need yeah yeah um, but but that that's not available to everyone and you've got to make allowances where you can yeah. um yeah so matt given given this performance on saturday what, what chance do we stand on tuesday well i would always say zero um, but it wouldn't be just like us to, to go down to Portsmouth on Tuesday and uh, get something out of the game and, you know, whether whether it's one or we sneak a one nil win and get all three, um, we'd just sum us right up. Um, you know, we're, we're not expecting anything, of course. You know, we, we, we I mean, they struggled against Carlisle yesterday, actually, Portsmouth. Um, only beaten 1-0 and obviously, you know, Carlisle are our next opponents or next Saturday as well. So, um, you know, Tuesday's a tough game. I think it's an opportunity for some of the players that, you know, came off the bench, then one or two of them might make an appearance on Tuesday night and, you know, put their names out there to, you know, become more, you know, familiar on the team sheet because, you know, they've not played as much football as they probably wanted to have done. And you would hope those that are, you know, the first names on the team sheet recently will want to back their ideas up and, you know, make sure that they stay the first names on the team sheet because, as I said, they keep playing like they did on Saturday. It's going to be a long end to the season. And, yeah, Tuesday Tuesday could get horrible if, if we're going to play like that, like we did yesterday. Just uh, uh, two two controversial things I'm going to bring up now. One is the BBC said it yesterday, so this, people were, people must be thinking it. I mean, Neil must be aware that obviously Bonds wasn't it wasn't popular. Let's say that uh, Bonds was let go. People liked him. He'd been with the club. He was a club man, and and everything that goes with that. Uh, and and I don't know whether and I've not seen this being said, but uh, the fact that came uh, the fact that the BBC picked up on it. Um, you know what 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 does Neil do when you know we're we're no better off under him than we are under Bonds? Now, first of all, I'm not sure that that's true, but secondly, I'm not sure that necessarily Neil will be thinking about that because he's got the job. That whatever happened before that, he's not going to do it. So, so just there's, there's that to think about. Plus, as I said, football web pages do this analysis on a weekly basis based on home and away form. They produce a final predicted table and they even give you the results that it's based against. Um, and, and I think looking at those results that it's based against, I think they've they've been generous to Cambridge United in some respects. But we are uh, we are fourth. We are the top team in that relegation zone on 46 points. Just behind uh, Shrewsbury on 47 and then Exeter and Charlton on 48 and then 49 for Port Vale. So within one win uh, of staying up, but unfortunately we're in the last of the relegation spots. I mean, what do you say? So, so, so start with you, Sal. I mean, don't, don't worry about the Bonds thing, but uh, we, 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 or you can if you want. But uh, what about that prediction that we're, we're likely to be going down at this stage? I think I can start with the Bonds thing. Um, in terms of yeah addressing that, I think 
it's it's very typical of yeah. the industry, you know, like... <laughs> and of Cambridge fans, we have to moan about yeah, something. As a matter of know, like, you know, like, ex-player, ex-striker doesn't, like, misses two chances yesterday, for instance, and then goes and bags a hat-trick next week. The comments to today are they need to be out the comments next week are they need to start the next three games so you know it, it's really swings and roundabouts in that sense um and i think you just gotta be patient with everything and be patient with everyone um is is it hard to say because um, of course football fans well known for their patience though. yeah yeah <laughs> patience is a virtue <laughs> um is it is it um hard to say that Neil's done better than Bonds at the moment or vice versa I think it's impossible to say that because you know how do you measure that um, so yeah I think I'll leave that one there um, but yeah with regards to the predicted the predicted form table as well I mean it's yeah as you can see it's quite volatile at the moment one win gets us out a loss drags us further in um, and yeah, I mean, so I'm looking at some of the teams that are above us in that in that predicted form table, and I'm not too sure about that, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> and Matt, what do you think of that? Um, well, the the Bonner's situation. Right? Oh, that's gone very quiet. Oh, you're right there. Yeah, well, you, you went very quiet then. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> um, the, the the Bonner situation. There's always going to be a romanticised look back uh, because of everything he did for us. You know, let, let's be honest. You know, one of the most successful managers in recent times. Um, is is Neil doing better than what Mark has? I mean, you know, with respect to to Mark, um, we had four chances that would have won the game yesterday uh, under Mark and. We saw it at Cheltenham away. We created nothing, and that it's probably not unlikely that that would have happened with with him in charge. So, you know, I think that's a that's a point that needs to be made. Secondly, Neil's picked up 15 points from 30 available, which isn't a bad return. When we were going, unfortunately, nowhere with Mark, and you know, I I think the decision to to you know let Mark go was the right one. I just to say because I think he'd run out of ideas. So, and this isn't a team of Niels, you know, he's only brought three of his own players in so far, so, you know, again, time, we gave Mark time, as we should, and Neil deserves the time, and on that predicted thing, I, I mean, I don't pay any attention to the stats, I mean, look how bad we were last year, and I think we were we were down, down, and down on, on that thing almost every single week, Tim, <laughs> and then we managed to stay up on the last day of the season, so it just shows, that, like Salim says, you know, how much fluctuation and you know, one result changes the, the stats straight away. And as I say, we, we, if we get four points from the next two games, we'll probably be 18th on, you know, 48 points or something. Stuff. So, yeah, I don't really pay attention to that. What I pay attention to is, is the table at the end of the season. And if we deserve to stay up, we'll stay up. And if we, if we go down, um, you know, we've, we've deserved to go down over the 46 games. Yeah, absolutely, and I think I think I mean, I, you know, you take I, I I don't I don't hold too much sway on it, but it is interesting when you when you look at the results that we're going to that apparently we're going to get. So we're going to be beaten by Carlisle. Uh, presumably, that's just because our away record is so poor that uh, on on statistically that's going to be true. Um, we get we're going to lose to Bolton Wanderers, uh, but only just. It's going to be a one nil win. Um, what else was what else made me say? It's going to be a one or draw against Peterborough, which is going to be 
be interesting based on their performance yesterday. I think it should be an obvious win, but who knows what'll happen there? So, it, it, I mean, it is it is kind of just a uh, you know it, it's interesting to see what the what the stats show us. But as you say, even there's there's, there's three points between 17th and uh, and 20 21st. So one one win changes everything. Salim, are you going to say? Just wanted to ask who makes these. Uh... <laughs> these results AI <laughs> so, well I, I presume that they are literally just based on the statistics they take the home and away statistics and they yeah. and they put it uh, they put a put it into the machine and the machine comes out so yeah there are some there are some strange ones in there but based on the stats they're straight they're completely true so that's the thing about it is you can't that those predictions hold based on the stats that are there but it's such a changeable game the stats don't really mean anything as we showed against Shrewsbury yeah, last week but uh, I, it's all we've got time for in terms of Cambridge United this week so uh, um, hopefully Tuesday uh, will be uh, not too bad uh, and we can pick up it'd be nice to pick up a point but uh, to be fair I would accept a good performance even if we can't yeah. pick up a point because then that'll take us to that'll take us to Saturday but Matt thanks very much for joining us we will well I think you're, uh, we, I'm not here next week and I think you might not be here next week so uh, I'll talk to you uh, next time we're both around cheers Matt yeah. take care bye so there we go. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be a difficult week, uh, especially for travelling fans. Uh, long trip on uh, Tuesday evening. We're di- difficult to get back uh, on the train, so probably most people are driving or on the coach. Uh, and then an even longer trip up uh, to uh, Carlisle at the weekend. So uh, good luck to uh, all those who are travelling. Uh, and we will take a break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk first of all about uh, Cambridge City. Across the city and South Cambridgeshire. On FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio. So it turns out Robbie's been uh, Paul uh, poorly. He's had the uh, flu like everyone else has, which is why he's actually missed uh, two games. Well, it's really weird. I, uh, you'll hear in the interview in a minute. I thought he said he wasn't at both uh, either games, and he didn't argue with me when I pointed that out in the interview. But then he t- the way he talked about it was as though he was there. So I'm a bit confused as to whether he was or wasn't actually there. Um, but uh, either way, uh, a, a poor result last week for them losing to rugby, which was uh, which was a must-win game. And then they go and play third place Anstey Nomads and uh, <laughs> and then win two-one. I mean, there you go. That's that's why predicted tables are going to be no good whatsoever because you end up in situations like that where yeah. you've got no right to expect points and you bring back all three of them so that's the way it goes um, yeah so a, a really good result for them N- not just because it's a, it's a it's a good performance and it's good to see that they can you know that they can put those in place they move up a point uh, move up a place which is not really the key thing the key thing is that they uh, can move out three points in terms of there were two games yesterday um, there was the, um, the, the the Cambridge City game and then there was also the Gressley uh, game who are, were above them, I think. Uh, they lost 4-1 to Loughborough Dynamo, so a, a real change in there. Cressley go down into the bottom two and uh, City move uh, three points clear of it. They're now six, uh, eight points clear of Gressley. So it, it, 
it's not it's certainly not uh, uh, an impossible situation for them to stay up I think they're you know there's a there's a couple of teams uh, have got more less games than them but even then I think that you know as long as they can keep grinding out um, uh, you know uh, the the occasional win and some draws I think uh, but then you know if they can carry on playing against it like they did against Anstey Nomads then I guess it's key we'll, we'll hear after the interview they've got Rushton and Diamonds coming up which is going to be a key one for them a because it stops potentially stops Rushton and Diamonds good run of form and, and it open up a bigger gap in there I spoke to uh, Robbie this morning uh, this is what he had to say so Robbie second game in a row that you've not actually made through illness and I guess very contrasting games Neil last week said on on any given day uh, you can beat any club and I guess to the last week's and this week show the results you know lose to rugby and then go and uh, take Anstey 2-1 yeah, look, it, last week was was very disappointing uh, on lots of levels. You know, myself not being there, one, and then watching game over on Sunday, it didn't help my head one bit. But look, we were at that point where, and the type of team we are at the moment, we we've got that in us, sadly. And you know, like like we've said over the season, there's not a lot between the top and the bottom in this league. It's a very very tough league. You know, people always say to me that I'm you know making excuses, and it's not. It's reality. You know, <laughs> it's. You know, you're watching Rushton at the moment. You know, they're they're the form team. They're ten points from twelve at the moment, and you know they've been sat bottom by considerable margin for a large part of the season. So the fact that their fortunes have turned around, you know, shows you the depth of the league. You know, yesterday you go into Anstey and you're hoping for a reaction from the performance of of the week before. Um, training Thursday was very good, very bright. Quickly put Saturday to bed. Yeah, we started. A little bit cagely yesterday, and and then we grew into the game and thought we we deserved to go in one nil up. Joe's had probably one save to make, and they've had a lot of ball and a lot of play into our air, which both Ed Tassel and and Taylor Parr sort of ate up at every every opportunity. And yesterday was the first time we've defended as a team as well as we can do. You know, there was a grit and a determination about the team yesterday that you know we wanted to go and show people that you know we've got to be more consistent. But on our day, we can beat anyone, and and it proved that. And you know, we could have gone in at half-time 2-0 up. You know, we had a great chance. Bradley Rolks got free header in the middle of the goal to make us 2-0. And that would have given us that extra confidence and buzz going into half-time. But, you know, we were still 1-0 up. And we probably looked the more threatening on the counter-attack. You know, we had good numbers in defence. And when we broke, we had good numbers joining the attack. And, and second half, we, you know, they... They were trying to get back into it and, and they threw everything at us. And we withstood that. And then we had, right before they scored, we had a one-on-one, Steph Broccoli. Normally, you put your mortgage on him to to do what he does in that area. And, and sadly, just sort of clipped the post and went wide. And from that resulting goal kick, they almost went up the other end and scored. So it was, it was very frustrating on so many different levels where we could have put the game to bed. We didn't. And then they go and score. And then credit to our lads. You know, we, we looked the stronger team in that last sort of 10 minutes and when we scored it was rightly deserved a great strike from Mikey 20 yards out keepers made a bit of a hash of it and Ryan Ingris bundled it in so to say the last four minutes of normal time and then the referee found 12 minutes of injury time you know it was a it was a tough ask against a team that you know, didn't want to throw away their unbeaten record at home. And we dug in and we threw bodies on the line and we, we were immense in that last 15, 20 minutes. And that's credit to the boys. You know, we can dictate what we do from the sideline, but, you know, credit to the boys for, for digging in like we did because, you know, they're they're on a great run and they put us under extreme pressure and we dealt with it. And, and I said to them after, you know, that's where we have to be week in, week out. And that's where the top teams are, where they are. 
because they do that every week. And so, you know, hopefully we can build on that again. You know, like I said, we're we're seven points from 12. We're, we're at home to Kelsa next week and then we, we find ourselves away at Rushton. And, you know, I've always said to you, you know, it's one game at a time, but, you know, you're looking at those fixtures now a bit further afield and we've played everyone in that top six, Tim. And we're hoping that, you know, those teams in the middle of the table not got an awful lot to play for right now because they're safe. And you're seeing some really strange results with those teams in that middle area. So, you know, hopefully we can perform like we did yesterday and carry the run on and get another positive result. And as you say, I mean, it, it, it was a, it was a good weekend for you all around, really, because Gresley were the only other game that was on, I think, um, and they lost to to Loughborough. So that puts you now eight points clear of the uh, second to last place. And uh, Rushton and Diamonds, uh, you, you talked about their their return to form, which has been really phenomenal. Uh, that that must have been worrying a number of people down at the bottom of the table. And you've got a chance now in a couple of weeks to uh, you know to put that one to bed. Yeah, we do. And look, we can't control what other teams do. To say that I sit there and worry about them, I don't. All I worry about is what we're doing. And if we can concentrate on ourselves a bit more and worry about our own performances, then we shouldn't need to look behind us. Uh, and that's the point I've made over the last sort of, you know, since we beat Coles Hill at home after the Loughborough debacle when we're 3-1 up and cruising, you know, we sort of, you know, we have to control what we do individually and then collectively as a team. And then if we can do that, we haven't got to worry about what everyone else is doing. And and I think that's sort of where we've gone over the last month, I would say. You know, we haven't we haven't looked at the fixtures, we haven't looked at the results, the table, because it just gives you added pressure to deal with. And we don't need that. You know, we just need to worry about three o'clock on a Saturday, performing, turning up and, and doing what's right for this football club. And you know, certainly over the last month, bar last Saturday, because that was a blip, you know, the performance levels and the desire to win points for this football club has been right up there. And that's what we want. I, I guess the, the, the one disappointment that kind of over the season really has been or off the pitch has been the fact that you haven't been playing at Sawston. Is, are you likely to get a game in before the end of the season or is that going to be for the next season? I think, Tim, it's, it's next season. You know, we, we tried to get changing rooms in and, you know, the port cabins, the, the brand new that we did, you know, for the, the crowd funder. And, you know, we tried to get all those things in place for us to open. But sadly, it's not looking like the league are going to want us to, to do that. So it's looking like finishing the season at St Ives. And then hopefully pre-season, we can open with a big friendly with hopefully our, our biggest friends from the, the other side of the river, get a full house and, and show everybody what we've been building to. And I think, you know, I've been on your show many times and spoken about what an effect it will have having our own ground, you know, not having to worry about everything that we have to worry about at the minute, you know, finding the, the extra money to ground share, you know, all the, the costs that we have to incur that, you know, we, we do and, we don't generate any income, you know, because we can't. So, yeah, it'll be a massive game changer as and when that happens, you know, it, it'll be big. And you look at the clubs that have their 3Gs and you look at how well St. Ives are doing in the league above, you know, having their own facility and renting their Astro out seven days a week. It takes what a while for it to kick in, but when it does kick in and you, you start having that revenue stream constant, it allows you to compete with a the better teams at this level and the levels above. And, and that's where we want to be. We don't want to be languishing bottom half of step four. That's not what we want. 
You know, we want to put Cambridge City back on that map. And the new ground's a massive starting point for that. And I think, you know, the players that we have at the moment see that and they see the training facilities that we have. You know, Cambridge United are using our training facilities. They see how wonderful our facility is. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to, to speak to those lads day in, day out at Cambridge United. And they tell me how they can't believe how brilliant that place is. And when I tell them we're at step four, they can't believe that either. So, you know, it's pressure. But good pressure because that's where we want to be at the end of the day. We want to be knocking on the doors of step three, step two, eventually as a football club. So, uh, it, I mean, it was nice to talk to Robbie for a change. Uh, not, not nothing against Neil Midgley, but uh, it's nice to talk to him because Robbie's very—he's very good in terms of uh, leading, uh, leading, and and talking about things that you can then pick up on and, and make more of it. And yeah, it, it, it goes to show you know you, you can you can you can look at the form on paper and say you're going to win, you're going to lose, you're going to win, you're going to draw. But at the end of the day, any, anything is possible, uh, depending on whether you know whether the teams play well or not. And that's obviously if one team plays well and the other one plays poorly that evens out the stats a lot and you're going to get uh, upsets along the way but uh, good for them in terms of uh, getting that win a real a, a huge huge uh, improvement uh, result for them they've got sporting council as we referred to there they're currently eighth in the table um, so if they can pick up points there that'd be great and then Rushton and Diamonds um, who didn't play this weekend uh, then obviously if they can push if they can get points there then that's really going to put them into a, a place of safety uh, and good luck to them on that one we'll take a quick break and we'll uh, oh sorry, just just quickly on that um obviously we talked about the ground at the end sorry i completely forgot and it looks like nothing this year it's going to be next year and he made the point that the, the problem with that is not only that they haven't got their own ground which is always difficult every game's an away game effectively at that point although it's not very far but it's more about revenue generation and and, and how much that must matter to, to small clubs is just not being able to pick up any revenue not only from the stuff that's coming at Sawston with the 3G pitch and everything like that but even simple things like the catering on match day and the bar on match day I don't, I don't think they get any profits from the bar or the catering when they're playing at uh, Histon no, not Histon, St Ives even. Uh, sorry, too many times I played at Histon. But, uh, so you're just not bringing anything in and it's all going out, which must be hard for clubs. Yeah, it's either all going out or it's very, very minimal in terms of what they are bringing in. And um, primarily what comes to mind is in terms of, you know, you want to attract better players. Better players are usually more expensive, whether that's better in terms of skill set or experience, you know. Uh, especially the experienced players, they know what the going rates are in the league and they're not going to be, um, you know, you're not going to be able to twist their arm and tell them actually they can get half what they could actually get. Um, so, yeah, that is an issue for them. But, I mean, in terms of this season, trying to just stay up in the league and um, solid, consolidate that place for next season and give themselves a good foundation, I think is the priority. Absolutely. So, uh, on to Histon. Histon got a two-all draw against uh, Coventry uh, United. I thought it was Coventry Sphinx uh, last time, but that's coming up. Coventry United. Uh, again, that's a, that's a game that uh, Coventry United are only uh, just above them, but a fair few points away, although Histon are two games further back. Spoke to Chris Nunn after, uh, well, it was just, I think that was this morning, so uh, let's hear what he had to say. Chris, after the uh, disappointment uh, of Daventry uh, and, uh, and Lutterworth, um, it was on to Coventry United. Always going to be an interesting game. Nil all at half time, and then four goals in the second half, including two very late goals, gets you the draw. Yeah, it was a really good game, actually. A good facility there, good surface on the 3G. And I, I thought they played really well, Coventry. I was quite surprised at how good they were. 
And uh, it was a really good open game. And I think a draw was a fair result. It could have gone either way, if we're being honest. But, you know, we, we had quite a lot missing yesterday. And, and it sort of showed a little bit. But um, overall, no, I was really pleased with the performance and the result. And you move on next week to uh, start a, a couple of games, uh, one at the bottom of the table and one at the top of the table. Again, uh, different challenges for both. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, the thing we're trying to do, like I keep parping on about it, is becoming hard to beat. But we have got to work harder to score goals. And, and, and yesterday we found that balance of scoring goals, but we, we lost a little bit uh, defensively. So um, we've got to work on that, especially for next week. You know, it's a big game for us back at home and, and we, need, we need a win, really, to be fair. And you've talked uh, a number of times about the importance to you of Cam's Invitational Cup, although it's a, 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 still a couple of weeks away. Um, is that on your mind as you're moving through these next set of two games or is it real focus on just the league? No, the Cup's the main focus for me because it has to be. You know, we're picking up the draws, which are important because it's, um, you know, one of the things we needed to do when we come in was to try and turn the defeats into draws and the draws into wins. So the importance of a Cup run is huge for us this year and um you know we're in a semi-final and we want to win it you know we know there are some good teams in there we know Wisbeach away on a Tuesday night it's going to be really hard but you're not going to get to a cup final easily are you so uh, for me that is our priority that is our priority without a doubt and given the league position you you've got that little bit of leeway to kind of uh, relax about that and get get into that game in in terms of squad size you, you talked about i think in the uh, twitter feed it talked about a couple of lads missing yesterday yeah i think we might have had six or seven out yesterday so um you know so that's a big blow we've got an, an an illness which is going through the camp at the moment you know what us men are like man flu it's a dangerous disease <laughs> isn't it so it's affected myself as much as it has everybody else so you know, we got through a tough game yesterday. We had Angelo, um, who, who made his um, who made his debut. He came in from the under 18s, which was really good. So, you know, so, so we, we, we're keeping our pathways open at the club, but primarily as a football club, we want to be successful. So, um, you know, there's no better way of being successful than with your 18s as well. You know, you got lads that have come through the pathway at the club. So, um, so at the moment, we're doing some things right. Uh, but just not enough to get them victories that we want. So there we go. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I think they're, they're safe from relegation, I think. Um, although, strangely enough, if you look at the league table on the Histon site, there's something gone horribly wrong with the league table because apparently Oadby Town are a bottom with 42 points, uh, despite the fact that Bugbrook have got 33. Uh, Ainsbury Rovers apparently have seven. <laughs> So I'm not, 17 rather and then they seem to, they, their mathematics seem to be uh, very very much out as to what it is but I think uh, Histon are safe um, from relegation um, but uh, obviously a, a few more points wouldn't go amiss okay we're just coming up to the end I was going to take a quick break let's, let's just take a quick break while I queue this one up across the city and South Cambridgeshire on FM, digital and your mobile Cambridge 105 Radio from the terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio. So in terms of the women's football, um, again, it's uh, we've got uh, Wimbledon beat uh, Cambridge United 6-0 last week. There's no there, there was no game for City last week. Uh, Actonians away for Cambridge United today. Check, well, actually, it's too late. If you haven't travelled, it doesn't matter because you're not going to travel to it, but I, I've not checked on the Twitter feed that that's on. Um, and then City didn't have a game uh, last week. Um, they are at home to... Uh, 
uh, Ashford uh, at the Newcroft in Haverhill. Spoke to uh, Darren before uh, the game, or rather, uh, Billy spoke to Darren before the game uh, today. Uh, this is what he had to say. Darren, you uh, unfortunately had a big defeat the other day against Wimbledon. You know, how, how do you think that came about? Um, look, first thing to say is Wimbledon are an outstanding side. They're, they're top of the league for a reason. They're favourites to win the league for a reason. And, and that they truly are all over the pitch. They're a very, very good side. We we chose a day to, to be quite poor, in, if I'm honest, in terms of individual errors through the game. You, you know, and that's not to take anything away from Wimbledon at all. But, you know, I just have to be honest about my own team's performance. And, you know, we did lots of good things, but then we'd have little moments where we just did things that are not us at all. So first goal comes from... You know, ball gets played across out from the uh, from one side of the defence to the other side. So we're trying to switch play. All good. We play to our centre half, who normally would be one of the most dependable people on the pitch. And for some reason, we decide to play on the edge of our box into a central midfielder square, and it gets intercepted and pops straight into the net. Second goal, ball comes across. Goalkeeper punches it out and clear. We've got a player that we should be marking in the box. We've given her, um, you know, a yard and a half of space. She receives the ball inside the box and just pokes it back past the goalkeeper. And, and you know, they're, they're the first two goals, uh, just moments that we have to do a lot better. But ultimately, you know, we went in at only 2-0 down at half-time, despite having those errors that have cost us dearly. We were only 2-0 down. Uh, we're still in the game because we know that the next goal gets us back in the game and can change the complexion. It, it did against Norwich in the abandoned game from 2-0 down. We got back to 2-0. And three minutes into the, the second half, we get down the right... We put the ball into the centre. Bella, again, who would normally be so dependable in those situations, ball gets a bit stuck under her feet with just the goalkeeper to beat. By the time she's got it out of her feet, adjusts herself and shoots, the goalkeeper makes the save. You know, so there's, there's just sort of, you know, the opening 47, 48 minutes of the game. We, we've, uh, you know, we've not been good enough at either end of the pitch ultimately. But, you know, from there on in, you're always going to be uphill. If you tune it down against Wimbledon, it's always going to be tough to get in the game. We, we had three really good chances, to be honest. Um, Bella had one, Ruth had one, and Harley Jean Simpson had one. So the game could look very different. And, and Kevin, their manager, is a great guy, said at the end of the game, and I thought, summed up, well, we deserve to win, but not, not by that scoreline. And I think that's pretty fair. What do you think's the main difference between yourselves and Wimbledon at the moment? You know, what, what is allowing them to be, you know, at the top of the league? Two things, really. One is they don't make the number of individual errors that we make, and we, we've got to iron that out. Uh, that's got to happen fairly quickly. And the second thing is that when they get in front of goal, they're prolific. You know, Ashley Hinks, I think she scored 29 goals now already this season in the league. Crazy numbers. But, you know, that's that's the type of player that, that you know, wins leagues ultimately. You know, she, she's a phenomenal player. But we're not that prolific in front of goal. So, again, you take Hayward's Heath game, first game after Christmas, 23 shots on target, two goals, and drew the game to all. So, you know, they're, they're the two big differences between us and Wimbledon. You know, we we make errors that they don't make. Some of that is because, you know, they're a good side and they put you under a lot of pressure. So we have to be honest about that. But when they get given a half of an opportunity, they take it almost every time. Uh, and I said this to the staff at the end of the game, that's the difference, isn't it? Is that every time that Wimbledon get in and around our box, you're thinking, oh, I hope this isn't a goal. The other end, every time we get in and around the box, we're quite often thinking, oh, I hope we can put this in. So, you know, it shouldn't be hope. It should be a, a feeling of confidence. And I think that's... The players need to, you know, we've got to work on that with the players and us as staff have got to help them to be more clinical in the moments, in, you know, at the other end and in our box. We've got to be more clinical at making sure we don't concede opportunities. It's been a couple of weeks since we last spoke, but how's your injury list looking? Is it still incredibly long or is it getting better? Yeah, it's not great. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Alicia didn't play the Wimbledon game, who has just been quite pivotal to us this year in the nine and... 
Um, she didn't play and she won't be playing again this weekend. Uh, Brooke, who got injured against Norwich when the game was abandoned, is back training and will be in the squad, but isn't still isn't fully fit. We've had people this week with the flu and the colds, as, as we've got. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's going around and doing the rounds as well. <laughs> And uh, and even Zoe, unfortunately, right at the end of training on Thursday, tweaked her quad. So, yeah, it's it's not ideal, but um, you know, this is football. We're, there's there's no need for that to become a reason why we can't go and win games of football. We've got a good enough squad, and I back the players that we've got to to go out and do it. And we've we've done well this week. We've uh, been in negotiations with Ipswich, uh, and we've brought in Abby Smith on loan from Ipswich for the remainder of the season, who's who's a real quality player in central midfield. So, you know, we are looking at how we can keep strengthening the side. She'll be important to us for the remainder of the season. She'll certainly help improve us. Um, and her added to the squad that we've already got, you know, I, I still feel confident that we'll go and win plenty of games. Um, what specific areas of the team would you be looking to strengthen? Uh, well, midfield was one for sure. You know, we lost Fran Steele, you know, what is it now? Probably a couple of months ago, three months ago. Yeah. And, and she was really influential to us. You know, since she came in at the beginning of the season, we, we've looked a really good side when she's in the team. Mm. Um, so she's a big miss. So midfield was one area that we knew we had to try and strengthen. So Abby coming in, you know, really helps us out with that. We need to probably strengthen our forward line because, like I've said, ultimately we're not clinical enough at the moment in front of goal. Uh, so that's an area that we've got to we've got to strengthen as well. But you know, although the, the the task we have is here and now, it's how we win games of football now, not next season. But next season, there's a lot to look forward to because mm. we'll have Fran back. Sarah Wiltshire is chomping at the bit and ready to. To have her, so apologies there to, uh, to to Darren for cutting him off, but that's all we've got time for uh, this week. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Thanks to Sal and thanks to uh, Matt for joining us. Uh, we'll be back again next week, hopefully uh, with improved performances from Cambridge United. <laughs>